Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The words that we're going to be reflecting on are those words from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I won't read them all again, but that's what we're going to be reflecting on. You may be seated. So, uh, this Bible section, 1 Corinthians 8, um, is one of those that by the time you hear that phrase that the vicar uttered right at the end, he goes, the word of the Lord, and, and we're all motivated to go, thanks be to God. How in the world does this apply to my life? We're talking about food sacrificed to idols and should I eat meat and should I not eat meat? And Paul's talking about being a vegetarian and how in the world does this apply to me in 2018? Well, we're going to go there uh, because I believe it actually has uh, some very relevant cultural contexts for us, especially if you um, can appreciate the, the cultural context of the Corinthian church, the people that Paul was actually talking to in this section of this letter to the Corinthian church, he's talking to those who are very secure in their faith, their Christian faith. Those who know that Jesus went to the cross for them. Those that know the the power of the forgiveness of sins worked on that cross and in the resurrection for them. He's talking about those that understand their freedom in Jesus. And he's saying, But folks, we need to be mindful of how we're living in that freedom, especially in this age where you're surrounded by non-Christians. Huh. The first Corinthian church in that era is very much like our day and age, isn't it? Actually, it was more non-Christian then than what we see today. Like this, uh, they, um, like us, they would say something like this, I have freedom in the gospel to do whatever I want and, and live however I please as long as it's not sinful or, or contrary to the scriptures. And you know, and if other people, even Christians, have issue with how I live my life or are offended by what I do, well, too bad. That's our mindset uh, in a rights-driven society And Paul's kind of pushing back on that. He's saying, whoa, wait a minute. We do need to be mindful of the actions that we have and that we do. Because it will impact the lives of our brothers and sisters, especially those who are young in the faith. And so for him, he was talking to people who... They, everywhere they went, in the marketplaces, there would be these temples and, and places where people would worship whatever and any kind of god or goddess that they wanted. They would offer sacrifices to things. And alongside of those temples would be these fellowship halls or church parlors, if you would, where people would get together and they would have a great meal. Some people would think as they're eating this meal, they're offering praise to their god or goddess. And so people would come out of that context into this Christian context where they realize that that God or goddess doesn't exist. And some would say, well, I can eat the meat. I'm not doing any harm. And others would go, well, if it's okay for me to eat meat to this God or goddess, well, maybe I can do other things and worship that God or goddess and worship the true God. And so what was going on is strong Christians were leading weaker Christians into a trap inadvertently. They, they didn't know it. But if it was brought to their attention, Paul was saying, stop that behavior. You're leading your brother to sin. 
You're hurting. You're causing a stumbling block for them. You're not only offending them, you are hurting their soul. Huh. Well, we don't see much animal sacrifices around here for the sake of worshiping uh, false gods. And God doesn't demand that of us as his followers. But I wonder if there is this application that we can look at today. And just to kind of stop and think about how do our behavior or how does our behavior or our actions maybe impact the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We who recognize the freedom that God gives us. How can we we live that out in a way that builds up one another rather than maybe cause our brother or sister to have a crisis of faith? Let me give you let me give you some real world examples, okay? So I was 27 years old when I decided to go to the seminary. Um picked up the phone and, and called my pastor. His name was Pastor Jeff and um, you know, I didn't go to the seminary until I was 29, but in that whole beginning process, uh, I, I wanted to let him know just what I was thinking. And he said, great, let's, let's, let's go up to Bennigan's and we can talk about it. Bennigan's is kind of like a sports pub. Oh, yeah, no problem. So we go up to that place and um, order pub food. And next thing I know, Pastor Jeff is ordering this alcoholic beverage. And I must have had this look on my face like, huh, you can do that? Because he immediately saw this face that I had, and he goes, Sean, you look like you got a question. And I said, "Mm, I guess so. And he goes, you're wondering, can I drink this? And uh, I guess so. Well, let me help you understand something. We who are in this business of leading others, in the faith, need to be very mindful of our surroundings and how our behaviors can impact others. And not only for us that are professional church workers, but anyone who professes to have uh, a faith in Jesus Christ, we need to be mindful of how our actions can impact others. Let me give you this example, Jeff says, with this beer. I can have this in moderation. I'll have one. And It's just you and me. But if I go into a setting where I know somebody has an alcohol problem, and let me tell you this, one in three families in 2018 are impacted by alcohol issues. One in three. That means for every three people here, one of you has been touched by some level of alcoholism in your family. Huh. So here's what the alcoholic will do. They'll see you, the churchgoer, or you, the pastor, imbibing in your beverage, and they'll go, well, if he can do it, well, maybe I can do it too and be okay. And one, and two, and three, next thing you know, they're drunk. What happened? We inadvertently led that person to sin. So if we have knowledge that this person has an issue, we need to not go there, we need to alter our behavior. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun for us who enjoy Lutheran lemonade, but we need to be mindful of it, right? Another thing, just just look around. Do you know how many people profess to be a member of St. Lawrence? It's astounding. 5,000. How many do we have here today? 
300-ish. Over the course of the weekend, maybe 15 or 1,600 will come through the doors uh, of the sanctuary or over at Connect. What's going on? Some of us are using our Christian freedom to choose, well, Lord, I'm not going to necessarily be in the worship environment with you today, but you know who I am. I know who you are. I'm forgiven. Thank you very much. So I'd much rather stay in the Church of the Holy Comforter. It's a real place. It's called your bedroom. You stay under the covers. You choose not to go to worship. You're a forgiven child of God. You're like, okay, I'm not hurting anybody. But someone who comes out of a life of not understanding what it is to worship, okay, well, if they go and they're the pastor and they're not going today, well, then why do I need to go? We need to be mindful of our our behavior. I know we're talking about things that God says are not sin. But sometimes the way we live out our life, when we look no different than our brothers or sisters who are non-Christians, it can be confusing for those who are babies in the faith. And they get confused and they they start to pick and choose what they want to believe in. Let me give you an example of how that goes. Okay, so there is this movement uh, that's been going on within the Christian world um, for quite some time now, and it impacts marriage. For some reason, somehow, we've lost the idea that living together before marriage is sinful. Pastor, people really believe that? It's... I'll give you that, okay? Um, you are going to open up the scriptures. You can scour all through the, all of it, all 66 books, and you will not find a phrase that says, thou shalt not live together before marriage. However, all you have to do is go to Genesis chapter 2 or Ephesians 5 or Matthew 19 where Jesus talks about the hardening of the heart. And you start to realize that God has indeed a plan and a purpose and a design for marriage. And it all points back to Genesis 2 where he says a man and a woman will come together and they will be one flesh. And when we live in a setting where a man and a woman are are together and acting marriage and involved in marriage activities, they are becoming that one flesh. And if we're doing that outside the marriage context, it's sin. Oh, whoa, 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 pastor, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're not physically intimate with one another. No, 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 no. She's in, in one room and I'm in the other room. And the only reason why we're, we're together is because of financial reasons. It, it makes sense. We can afford a house that way. Okay. Um, that's your thought. Yet there's a young couple, new in the faith, that sees you, this lifelong Christian, living together before marriage. And they, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. They are physically intimate. They are stealing from the marriage relationship that God has intended for them. And so you are leading this person to sin. We need to be mindful of our actions. Well, what do we do? Well, let me, let me give you another illustration. I, I have permission from this couple to share this. That's the only reason why I'm doing this. So three years into me being a pastor, I uh, 
had the pleasure of seeing this young couple come to Trinity down in, in Utica, Michigan. And, and seriously, this couple had no clue who Jesus was. They didn't understand the Christmas story. They didn't understand the resurrection story. And yet they started coming to new members' classes and they started to uh, want to become a member and, and get confirmed in the faith. And it was a beautiful thing to see in the, in the lives of these two young adults. And then I get a phone call from him shortly after he was confirmed. And he says, Pastor, can, can we come in and talk to you? And I said, yeah, sure. And he comes and he sits down. He says, Pastor, the, the two of us have been living together and we're not married. And, and we were going through the Bible and we're going through devotions and we recognize that this is not God's plan. What do we do? Well, have you considered just getting married? Yeah, can, can we do that now? Well, you need to have a license, all right? So they went, seriously, they went to the county clerk. They got a license, and then a couple days later, we had uh, a private ceremony. They were able to have a a great big shindig uh, with their family later on down the line, but they wanted to make it right. They got married. And these are baby Christians. How cool is that? I mean, God was working on their hearts and transforming their lives, and, and I mean, we should be... God, you are mighty and powerful. You transform lives. You give us the power to conquer sin. And it's a sense of freedom that we have. And we can live differently than what the culture says. And so I'm going to encourage you over the the next week or your next journey just to consider those actions that, you know, maybe you're causing somebody to stumble and, and maybe you don't need to go there because it's not building you up or it's not building them up. Consider this. Philippians chapter 2 says it this way. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, who was perfect, who was was sinless, came down into this world and became the weaker person for us. And he went to the cross and he laid down his life and he did that to save you and I from sin, but also for those babies in the faith and those that have yet to come to faith. He, He saves us all from the penalty of our sin. And he encourages us to care for one another the way he cares, to love as he has loved. The big picture, the big message that I'd like to have you take away from this is we need to stop getting this idea of it's my right and I can do whatever I want because all that is is looking at our navel or looking at ourselves. We are Christians living in a society that is growingly anti-Christian. It is not popular to be Christian anymore, and we need to join together and learn to do life together as community. And that means caring for one another in Christ, loving the way that Christ loves one another. If we have to alter our behavior for a little while, so be it. Because it's more important that that person grows in their faith. If we have to alter our behavior permanently, so be it. May God give us the power to do that. Let's live united as the body of Christ, showing that all life matters. Let's live out the mission of St. Lawrence to show by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. That's the call 
that God has placed on our lives. And, and that's why we're doing this thing called discipleship or the year of discipleship. Because as we grow as disciples, as we dive into God's word and get back to the basics and, and are charged and energized by it, we can stand for the truth. And then God's going to send us out to make other disciples. And so we're going to have people that do not look like us or do not have the same cultural context as us come into the sanctuary. They're going to look to us. How do we live? What's expected of us? Trusting in Jesus and showing that he is the Lord of our life. That's the call that he's placed on all of our hearts as we live for him. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.